Our next sponsor has a product that I use every day. So I started taking AG1 because I wanted more energy. I was feeling super sluggish and I was honestly skeptical that it would taste good because it looks super healthy. I mean, it's it's green and I was like, I don't I don't believe that that's going to taste good. But <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised. It has a mildly sweet taste. It's not too sweet. I think it's just right. So I was on and off AG1 for a while, and then a couple of months ago, I started to drink it every day and started to pay attention to how I felt because I wanted to be able to tell you about it. One of the things I love about it is that it comes, your subscription comes with a year's supply of vitamin D, which has been an absolute game changer for me in terms of my daily sluggishness. And also AG1 is cheaper than getting all of the different supplements yourself. So right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. I do put a little ice in it because it's summertime and it's super yummy with ice. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D. It is the supplement that I use. And five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash noise. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash noise to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. It grows, it shrinks, it contracts, it expands, it, it you know, it's inspired by other people's spirituality and it's constantly morphing and it doesn't have any rules other than to be embodied in me as a human as much as possible. To me, spirituality is basically about the connection you have to yourself and the world around you. So we are all spiritual beings because we are all connecting with others. Even the hermit in a cave is spiritual because he or she is connecting with herself. You're listening to Make Some Noise Podcast, episode number 462, with guests Anna Stromquist and Christina Wiltsey. Welcome to Make Some Noise Podcast, your guide for strategies, tools, and insight to empower yourself. I'm your host, Andrea Owen, global speaker, entrepreneur, life coach since 2007, and author of three books that have been translated into 18 languages and are available in 22 countries. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a lesson that will help you maximize unshakable confidence, master resilience, and make some noise in your life. You ready? Let's go. Hi, everybody. I hope this podcast episode finds you well. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show. So I'm recording this on what is today? Today is Monday, June 27th. My fabulous and amazing podcast producer, Darlene, um, is going on vacation this summer as she so deserves. So a lot of these episodes are batched way in advance. And this is the first time I have sat down to record anything for you since Friday, June 24th, and the announcement from um, the Supreme Court here in the United States of overturning Roe versus Wade. And it's been a rough few days, right? I know you're listening to this like a week and a half or two weeks after I'm I'm recording this, but um, I think I just want to say just this one thing, and I'm going to move into the episode, is that it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not be okay. I know that the personal development industry can be rife with 
invitations to be inspired and to be motivated and to fight and to take action. And I think all of that is great when you are ready. And if you're not in that place, you can start to feel overwhelmed. You can start to feel like you're doing it wrong, like you're letting people down, like you're a disappointment. Your inner critic can come in and have all kinds of things to say. And then we have feelings about that. And that's not helpful. So that's all I'm going to say about that. I am going to record a mini-sode that hopefully will come out a couple of days after this episode. More about that. And I just really hope that you're taking care of yourself. All right? All right. Let's get into the show. I am excited to move into this theme that we're doing on spirituality and creativity. I have I have several different topics within that theme. And I found these two amazing women, Anna and Christina, on TikTok, and you'll hear more about that. And what caught my attention is they talk about these primal wounds, abandonment, rejection, injustice, hmm, betrayal, and humiliation, which we're going to get more into. And I just, I really love their work. And so let me tell you a little bit about them before we jump in. In. So first, Anna Stromquist. If you saw Anna on the street, you would probably say she has a lot going on. She could be chasing after her bulldog puppy, dressed to the nines for no reason at all, or wearing scrubs after seeing clients in her private healthcare business. When she isn't juggling her million and one interests, she is laughing with her handsome older husband or playing hide-and-go-seek with her kids. Anna is a projector who provides the guidance to the duo of her and Christina, a Leo and an activity sorter who lives without fear of being seen as weird by her family members, who lovingly tolerates her interests in aliens, angels, and enlightenment. And next is Christina Wiltsey. When first meeting Christina, you may be a little annoyed with her uncanny ability to read your mind. Once you realize there is nothing in there that she hasn't already seen in her own mind, then you feel the freedom of not being judged for any of the things you do or even think. When Christina is not gardening on her farmland, possibly naked, chanting to the moon, also possibly naked, or on a work call, hopefully not naked, she is writing one of her self-help books or novels or teaching her kids to listen to their their heart voice instead of their mind voice. Christina is a generator, a Pisces, Taurus, ascending, and a systems sorter who thinks her husband is smoking hot. So without further ado, here is Anna and Christina. Christina and Anna, thank you so much for being here. Thank, thank you, you for, for having, having us. us. Yeah, I was telling you before we started recording, it's such a treat to have two people on and um, we've had it, we've done it a few times. It's always been been really, really amazing. And so I'm excited to jump in. I found the two of you on TikTok and so many of my guests this year have been from TikTok and they've all been amazing. I, I love the medium. And um, as you know, this theme is on spirituality. And I'm going to start with a very general question because I'm interviewing people all across the board in different spiritual modalities. And can you tell us, and I would love to hear from both of you on this. Can you tell us what does spirituality mean to you? Sure. Christina, do you want to go first or you want me to go? It doesn't matter. You go. You go. <laughs> um, spirituality to me. Well, you know, I feel like, first of all, we all know that there's a big difference between being spiritual and being religious, right? right? Like religion has to do with doing what you're told to do and, and kind of this prescriptive relationship with God or your creator. Whereas I think spirituality 
encompasses everything. You know, you, you can be, you can be atheist and be very spiritual, you know, and you can mm-hmm. be Christian or Jewish or Islamic or whatever, and you can be spiritual. And to me, spirituality is basically self-reflect, like basically your relationship with yourself. And that can be ultimately also with the creator. If you believe that deep down inside you are God, um, it, it can just be your relationship with yourself and others. So to me, spirituality is basically about the connection you have to yourself and the world around you. So we are all spiritual beings because we are all connecting with others. Even the hermit in a cave is spiritual because he or she is connecting with herself. So to me, the spiritual journey, there's a million different ways to be spiritual because there's a million different ways that we connect with others. So, so to me, everyone's spiritual. And and I was looking at our stats just this morning and people all over the world in all different countries governed by all different religions are listening to our podcast. And I'm sure you have that too, because I think deep down inside, it's just about connection with self and others. So it, it doesn't really matter what other people or other religions are telling you what to do. Ultimately, it's just about connection. Mm-hmm. Okay. I love that. It's, <laughs> that answer really takes the pressure off. I feel like. <laughs> Yeah. Christina, what about you? (laughs) So I would say that it's very similar to Anna's. If I were to kind of blend in my own color into it, like I would say that, that in a lot of ways, you know, the confines of spirituality, like when I was younger, I used to think that spirituality was like something that was like above me. And it was something that I then needed to like, that it felt like it was the sacred and then everything in daily life was the mundane, right? And so Mm, it's like you uh had the sacred and the sacred was the spirituality part. And they were somewhat compartmentalized and they were somewhat separate, right? And I think that for me, going to church or going to any sort of things when I was younger kind of emphasized that, that it was like, this is the spiritual time or this is the religious time. And then otherwise, I'm just kind of doing everything else, right? And it was only as I started to grow that that the process of spirituality for me has been an uncompartmentalizing of of spirituality in only certain aspects of my life. So basically my life has become this spiritual practice and it's all about like, how do I integrate it into everything that I do, into everything that I am? So it's like, it's spontaneous, it grows, it shrinks, it contracts, it expands, it, it, you know, it's, inspired by other people's spirituality and it's constantly morphing and it doesn't have any rules other than to be embodied in me as a human as much as possible. Oh, I love that so much. It it sounds like you've both sort of defined spirituality for yourself. And also what I'm picking up is that you say it with such not so much reverence, but like so much confidence in your in like this is what it is. Like there's no questioning. There's no like, oh, but what if it actually isn't this? Like, what if you know on the other side, it's different? So I love that. Thank you so much for articulating that. I want to spend some time talking about the primal wounds. And that is initially how I found you on TikTok. On TikTok, I, I think it was, I think it was Anna. I, I might be wrong, showed up on my for you page talking about these primal wounds. And so you say there are, I think, five of them: abandonment, rejection, injustice, betrayal, and humiliation. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So can you tell us, I know that this is another huge question and it might, and feel free to take as long as you want to talk about about it, but can you tell us about these? And my second part of the question is, are we born with them? 
uh, or cause I have like a personal anecdote I want to share where I'm suspicious that we are born with him or is yes. it, or do they just happen, you know, around that before the age of seven or is it both? So I think modern psychologists would say that they develop, but I mm-hmm. would believe that we are born with them because you could take a, a, you know, you could take a family with five different children and have the same events happen. And they're all five going to have different reactions. For example, let's say a parent has five kids and that parent dies. The first child might perceive that death as a betrayal. My parent has betrayed me or God has betrayed me. They've taken away someone I love. The second child could perceive that loss as abandonment. My mother has abandoned me. I'm all alone in this world. The third child could say, "What? The, this is an injustice. This is not fair. Everyone else gets their mom and I don't, right? Uh-huh. The fourth child could put the spin on it of rejection. Um, God has rejected me. Life has rejected me. My mother rejected me. She left me. And then the fifth person could be humiliated, like something must be wrong with me. I must be shameful or horrible for my mom to have died, right? So that's like mm-hmm. in a nutshell, just basically how we can all put our own spin on it. And I think that certain life events can either can like make them worse or stronger, but I do believe we are born with them. Um, and so some people on, on our TikTok videos will be like, I think I have an abandonment wound, but none of my parents ever died. And I don't understand. I think maybe we're born with them. Maybe it's genetic. Maybe it's learned. Maybe it's past life. In some cases, it could have been a small event in your life. Like maybe you were left to cry it out in the crib and you felt abandoned. And that's where it began. You know, maybe there's things that happen so unconsciously that we don't know where they originate. But I, I do, I agree with you. And I do believe that we're, we come into the world with them. And that's one of the reasons why we're on this planet is to recognize and learn to love and live with these wounds. So one of the things that kind of when Anna and I first kind of discovered the primal wounds and we were looking at ourselves within them, we did, we actually went through our first primal wound work before we started the podcast and even kind of reported about it, right? Um, We both went through this process of like really looking at ourselves and kind of going deeply into it. And it was in that process that we both had categorized ourselves as a primary primal wound, right? So Anna's was abandonment and mine was rejection and betrayal, right? So I kind of had like a mixture of the two. But it was so interesting because it was a self-discovery process that helped us kind of recognize that we kind of have all of them in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways, right? In the sense that some of them are more dormant, some of them are deeper, some of them are more subconscious. And so for me my process of like understanding the primal wounds kind of was a process of of going deeper and deeper into my body because i'm a very per- i'm a person who likes to kind of have my head up in the clouds you know i kind of might like i said again my spirituality is like kind of always like wanting to go into the outer realms or the subtle realms or the imaginary realms like all those kind of other places that exist that we can travel to um whereas it wasn't experiencing my body so for me my process of of understanding the primal wounds and understanding that we have aspects of all five if we choose to use that as our kind of like door into our shadow right is is that i was like okay so these are like shadow chakras right like they're Mm -hmm. almost like like if you were to say that like you know we have obviously we have the um we have more than five chakras but you know starting at the throat injustice tends to sit at the throat, right? So Mm -hmm. this was all a self-discovery process in which I was like, oh, wow, okay, I can see how sitting in my throat, 
I, you know, I, I speak about injustices, right? It's all about, you know, and so in a lot of ways, I first started out in injustice because it was sitting right there at my throat. So I could talk about it. I could talk about how this didn't feel fair and this didn't feel whatever, you know, and then traveling down into the body, seeing that the heart, the shadow chakra of the heart is rejection, right? Because it feels like a rejection of self, right? Like when somebody, you know, and it feels like a rejection of love, right? When you're getting into that really, really deep part of yourself, it's like not being rejected is saying you're not worthy of love. That's what it feels like, right? Either other people saying it or you saying it to yourself. And then going down into that solar plexus, that solar plexus is all about power and betrayal is all about power. It's all about trying to control the situation so that you can make sure that you are the one who is preventing you know, miss, you know, breaches of trust, preventing, preventing pain from happening in your world in whatever way possible. And then going down into that second chakra, that real place of, of what can be creativity, but what can also be codependence and that abandonment experience, right? Like right down there in, in that kind of fertile area in which you're able to create so much, but you're also able to, to, um, experience abandonment. And then going down into the root. So the root of all things is that humiliation wound. So that shadow chakra sitting right there in that, that first chakra, which is so, so deep for some people, they don't even see it because it sits there right at, at survival. Like I'm, I'm ashamed to be a person. I'm ashamed to exist here or something along those lines. And that's where you're experiencing that shadow chakra of humiliation in the root chakra. Can you give an example of, because I love that, I mean, I'm assuming that the one of the reasons it's good to know maybe what your most prevalent uh, primal wounds are is so that you can work on healing them. So you're not showing up in the world, you know, with codependent symptoms, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm thinking of, of like the abandonment wound. Um, I know that, you know, that's the one I identify with the most. And I think about, you know, things that happened when I was younger with my parents and, and that there are ways, and I've, I've done that, you know, worked on healing them. But then I think about the injustice wound. And I think about like, let's take, for example, the Me Too movement, when so many women were coming out with their stories um, of, of sexual assault or sexual violence. And that could very well be a wound and, you know, you can work on healing it, but, and maybe this is... <laughs> I know where you're going with, you this. know, where I'm going, like how, yes. how do you help someone heal these wounds when they're still going on in the world? And like, you, and people still have to walk through the world where there are not only injustices happening to them, but they're watching injustices still happen. Like, is it, I, I mean, I can think of some things that, that are help. I mean, we're all kind of doing it every single day of getting out of bed and doing our job. So, but can you give us any sort of strategies that maybe you might work with clients with? Yeah. Well, well, um, well first of all, Christina is the one who works with clients. I, I actually don't do any coaching. Um, but I just want to just before we even we begin, we continue the conversation to mention the book. It's called um, Kill Your Wounds and Find Your True Self by Lisa Burbeau. And she's a French She's a French philosopher and psychologist who, who came up with this blueprint of the five primal wounds. So I just wanted to just reference that before we continue. Okay. We'll have that link in the show notes too. Thank you. Perfect. And, and actually in her book, she only diagnoses the wound. She actually never goes into healing them, which I think was a trans, like a French translation, translation error, because the book actually does not talk about healing them. And that's how the work with Christine and I began with this was we were like, well, she just told us what we have and we don't know what to do with it. Right. 
right? So, so yeah, so that's actually how we came up with our own system for healing them, but regarding injustice. So like the injustice wound is a very tricky wound because there is injustice in the world. There are social injustices. There are class injustices, gender injustices, privilege injustices, like true injustice is Mm -hmm. happening in the world at all times across so many spectrums. So it's important to recognize that there's a difference between a true social injustice and, and emotional injustice. Okay. Um, the, 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 the example I would give would be, okay, like your boss, your woman and your boss is a man and he's hitting on you at work and making inappropriate suggestions. That's a true injustice of power, right? That's true injustice and you should act on it. And your anger is totally justified. We're not, we're, that's what we're not talking about that when we talk about the injustice wound. Now, if you have the injustice wound, that's going to trigger you much, much more than someone whose predominant wound is say abandonment. Right. Okay. Um, so we want to make sure that people understand, like if you find injustices in the world and you feel called to act on them, you know, and you feel passionate about them, that's important and beautiful and go for it. But, but the emotional injustice will be like, you know, an example would be interpersonal, like, like she didn't come to my, or she missed my birthday party. So I'm not going to go to hers. Right. Like this, this, yeah. (laughs) Right. Like this, this tit for tat scorekeeping within relationships Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, like for example, my mom died and that's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. Poor me. Injustice people, people with a primary injustice wound often go into victim mentality. Mm -hmm. They're very, in fact, they are one of the least likely of the primal predominant primal wounds to seek therapy or seek healing because they often think everyone else is to blame for their problems. It sounds a little martyrish. Yeah. Yeah. Very victim. Poor me. Mm -hmm. Everyone else is to blame. I'm always right. They're wrong. So that is more of the, the, the emotional story behind it, but, but people who are fighting for social causes, you know, they don't necessarily have injustice wounds. Right. Um, you, you, so yeah, I just wanted to point that out that there are true injustices in the world and we're not saying heal your injustice wound and don't worry about, you know, um, school shooters. Right. Right. No, we're not saying that at all. We're talking about like the tit for tat that can happen between relations personally. Thank you you for clarifying. Yeah. Yeah. And I can kind of add to that too, is that Ultimately, you know, and this kind of jumps a little bit to the healing aspect of this, but but when Anna and I were first trying to kind of like find our way through this and be like, okay, well, we have this primary wound, like I have a primary injustice wound or I have a primary abandonment wound, we were like, okay, well, what, are, where are we going with this? Like, what, what, what are we trying to do? Because one of the things that we say a lot is that our podcast is called The Spiritual Fix and our tagline is there's nothing to fix. Right. Mm-hmm. Like fi- fix <laughs> <love> it. <laughs> because and and we were just talking about this yesterday is that like we've we come to this realization that that like through the work that we do, that the podcast like prompts us to do that, like we you know, that that's really like we're driven to do so that we can have something to talk about. Right. So that we can kind of and and also so that we can like live our life in a more fully embodied way is that we're starting to realize more and more there's nothing to fix. But back when we first started the primal wounds, we're like, well, how do we fix it? How do we heal it? How do we do it? You know, how do we kind of get, you know, get rid of, get get rid of it or get rid of the maladaptive behaviors that have come out of it? I mean, that's a totally valid motivation, right? Like if you know that you're experiencing codependence and you know that it's coming from this abandonment wound, then it's like, yeah, go for it. You know, like let's, let's figure out how you can, how you can do this. But ultimately, kind of what ended up happening in that first round was that we started to realize that 
being externally referenced, right? So in terms of like letting the world kind of put you in the washing machine and you never kind of know what's going to be, you know, you never know what the detergent's going to be. Like, is it going to be injustice today? Is it going to be, you know, am I going to have to see, you know, children being abandoned somewhere? Or am I going to have to see whatever, right? That is a really a really very kind of chaotic reference point in a lot of ways, right? It's a necessary one. We live in a world we're not supposed to completely dissociate from it and avoid the realities of the world. But at the same time, if we can find steady ground within ourselves to be internally referenced, right? So kind of the same way that Anna's, what Anna's saying, but like internally referenced being like, ultimately, I... I will never abandon myself, right? Then it, then all of a sudden you're not dependent on anything, right? It doesn't, it doesn't, you know, you can see something and be triggered and it can give you access to those feelings that are locked up within the abandonment wound, right? In your subconscious and it'll bring it to the surface. But then the external, like the outside world basically just becomes the kind of the stimulant, right? It becomes it, it becomes the stimulant that brings up the stuff that already is sitting in your system. And then you can say, I'm never going to abandon myself. And then you can act not from a place of your whole of like saying, well, I could be abandoned, I could be abandoned, I could be abandoned, I don't know what anyone's going to do. Right? I don't know, I because you can't control other people, you can't control the outside world. Right. So if you if you changed that reference in which you know that you can never abandon yourself, then you're acting from your wholeness, from your W-H-O-L-E. <laughs> yeah. Right. And not from not from a place of fear and trying to change or control or or, you know, shoring yourself up against the outside world, because the outside world is always going to deliver to you exactly what you probably don't want it to in some ways, you know, it's not going to be fair. It's not going to be just at this point. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Like one thing I love about the wounds, and then I really want to know about your experience with them, Andrea is um, like for each and every wound, they create a want and that want creates a mask. And behind all of that is the exact opposite. So what, so what I want to say for like, is like the abandonment wound, what they really, really want is to not be abandoned. So they put on this mask of codependency and they become indispensable and amazing. So no one will ever leave them and they overgive and overperform and swallow their own needs because their deep down want is not to be abandoned. And behind that is the opposite, which is they need to never abandon themselves, right? And so same for all of them for rejection wounds. So the rejection wound wants not to be rejected. And so they create the mask of the fugitive. So they run away from rejection and they run away from commitment and they run away from risk to protect themselves from rejection. And on the other side of that, the exact opposite of their want, which is to not be rejected is the, that they must learn to not reject themselves. Right. Um, and Eleanor Roosevelt, I love, she said, um, she said something like, no one can actually reject you without you giving them permission, you know? So ultimately if you don't reject yourself, no one can actually reject you. And in all three of the, you know, the other three, obviously like follow the same sequence, whatever it is that you're looking for, you're wanting, you create the mask to prevent it from happening. But on the other side of it is you have to come to give it to yourself, that thing that you're wanting from others. So in a way you're not fixing anything. You're just coming to recognize that the thing you're always seeking and creating all these maladaptive strategies to prevent is like ultimately 
the thing to just give yourself. And when you give it to yourself, you stop needing to do all these other things, like thinking that codependency is the problem. It's not, it's a symptom of the self-abandonment and um, running away and addiction. You think that's the problem. It's not, it's a self-medication for your own fear of self-rejection. So anyways, um, it's just beautiful, deep work. So I was wondering, like when you watch the TikToks or listen to the episodes, which one, which were your primal primary ones, like which one resonated with you the most and what have you seen since that? Yeah, I, there was definitely a couple that jumped out at me and I think I, and I was thinking like, oh, can we only pick like one or two? And, and, and then you, I think you talked about that. Like, no, we, we tend to have, you know, dip our toes and all of them, but there are some that are more, um, more dominant than others. It's not like, oh no, I'm not bothered at all by, by humiliation and injustice, (laughs) but no, I think it's, it's all of them. I'm interrupting this conversation to bring you a few words from some of our sponsors. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. I've been in therapy on and off for 30 years, you guys, 30 years. I look at it like maintenance, just like brushing and flossing my teeth to take care of them. I go to therapy to take care of my mental health. I mean, how well would you take care of your car? Can you imagine if you had the same car your entire life? (laughs) You You would have to do a lot of maintenance. And that's how our brains work. So why don't we treat them the same way? How we take care of our minds affects the way we experience life. So it's important to commit time and care to your mental health. In my experience with therapy, when I talk things out with my therapist, most of the time I come to my own conclusions. And I love when therapists point out my blind spots or ask questions I've never thought to ask myself that expand my perspective and also helps in my healing. BetterHelp Therapy is online and they offer phone, video, and live chat only therapy sessions. So if you don't feel like seeing anyone on camera, you don't have to. Another great thing about BetterHelp is that it's much more affordable than traditional in-person therapy. And you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. So you don't have to wait several days and the email tennis and all of that stuff. So our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash kickass. That's better H-E-L-P dot com slash kickass. For those of you that read my last book, you know that I dedicated an entire chapter to pleasure and how making time for it is so important. That's why I want to invite you to escape into a world where pleasure is your only priority because on Dipsy, you can find stories that match your mood. So Dipsy is an app. I have it on my phone and my iPad. It's full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. You can find stories about that intriguing coworker that has a British accent. I personally like the one with the Irish accent. You can filter and find it. Or hooking up with your yoga instructor. They bring scenarios to life with immersive characters, no matter what you're into or what turns you on. It's your go-to place to spice up your me time, explore your fantasies, or heat things up with your partner. So for listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash noise. It's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash noise, dipsystories.com slash noise. But I want to say something really quick that you touched on. It's something that I felt like it followed me for years, years ago in my personal development journey. And it's that quote from Eleanor Roosevelt is like one of my least favorite. I'm going to tell you why, (laughs) because I think it's both. I think it's 
there, and I, there's different versions of it. It's like the whole, like, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. Yes. And I, I remember thinking for so long, so I'm like, so it's my fault. So it's my fault that someone made me feel inferior, even though their behavior was shit. And, and what I came to realize probably, probably a therapist walked me through this is that it's both that other people's behavior can be absolute crap. And uh, it's up to me to set the boundaries. So, and I think, and the reason I want to mention it is because I have struggled so long with dichotomous thinking. And I know a lot of my listeners do as well. Like it's all or nothing, either, um, either somebody else is totally in charge of how I feel, or I'm totally in charge of how I feel. And at someone else's behavior doesn't matter at all. It's like, well, no, it's both. And um, anyway, I just, I, I wanted to say that because every time, even now I hear her name, I'm like, oh, God damn you, Eleanor. <laughs> I love that you, I love that you said that because it's totally a, a thing we all do, which is like that spiritual bypassy thing. Right. I think it's, it's both true on the apparent level. Mm-hmm. Like we do live in a third dimensional reality where other people's opinions and behavior affect us. And we also live in the fifth dimension where you know, ultimately we are responsible for how we feel and no one can touch us. Right. It's both like we live, we live in both and, and to always live in the fifth dimension means that you're going to ignore the third dimension, which I often do. And then I don't make proper boundaries because I'm seeing the best in others. And, oh, that person was an asshole to me, but it's just because they have an unresolved betrayal. That's self-abandonment. That's right. an example of self-abandonment. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Total spiritual bypassy behavior and bullshit. So like, yeah, the Eleanor Roosevelt quote can hit you the wrong way in the third dimension totally get that. And, and, and I, it's something that I also struggle with. I struggle with it so much is like, is, is, you know, I just had like a, a, a psychic um, channeling session with someone like, like I, I, I love those and I love it. And um, they were like, these guys were just like, you're so spiritually bypassy because you're constantly the best in others. And like, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like true, like, no, like on the apparent level, this person might have made done some behavior that makes you feel inferior. So make boundaries or cut them out yep. or do what you need to do. So like, yeah, it's not giving, yeah. Like, I don't think we need to like give everybody the carte blanche to treat us how they wish. Cause ultimately I'm responsible for how I feel, but, right. um, yes. but on the ultimate level, we, we are responsible too, you know, like it's both. It, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. so yeah. It's exactly. a tricky one. It's so tricky. It is tricky. And I love these conversations where we kind of dig deeper. Uh, okay. So mine is abandonment and like, no one is surprised listening to this, <laughs> listen to my podcast, which I think like, just is, is that super common for women? Or is it like a mixed gender type of thing? I think that it's, there are probably predominant ones for depending on where you identify on the spectrum. Like, in fact, when we first did it, we actually were like, is this more of a masculine energy? And this is more of a feminine energy. And so we definitely, when we kind of, we we never really like firmed that up. But when we Mm -hmm. were doing that, we were saying that abandonment was more feminine in nature, Um, just simply because of the nature of it. It's, it's, it's using giving to right. to try and and community building and all those kind of things that codependence can look like um in order to avoid uh you know in in order to keep connections even if they aren't healthy right well and this is what i think anna you were talking in the beginning of the show about um you know what what the what the abandonment wound how it manifests sort of in our life and and it ties in very beautifully with my last book that i wrote make some noise i i talk about how a lot of the behaviors that we do that we struggle with that that many women come to personal development to to help whether it's therapy or you know personal development podcasts like the people pleasing the perfectionism um the overachieving that's 
because we were raised that way. Like in this culture, in a patriarchal culture, like our value was put on how flexible and accommodating and helpful and nurturing can you be? That's that's what makes yes. us quote unquote good women and good girls. And so I just wanted to kind of, you know, put that in everyone's pocket. Um, mine for sure is abandonment. And I, I think what I want to touch on the most is when, and I, uh, the term self-abandonment, and I was speaking at an event over the weekend in Orlando and, and it came up a couple of times with the speakers. And I think it's a term that can get a little like, what does that mean? And, and I, w- I would love to spend a couple of minutes talking about what self-abandonment looks like. And I can just for just a short anecdote, like what it, and it just took me a long time to figure out this was not helpful behavior to myself. Self-abandonment for me looked like completely ignoring my intuition at 19 that told me you probably should break up with this guy that you've been dating for a couple of years who is not for you. And I ended up marrying him instead. My intuition told me he's probably cheating on you. You need to leave the marriage. And I didn't. And it ended up completely blowing up in my face. He was in fact cheating on me. And then on a first date with this other guy, my intuition was like, something's not right he ended up being a con artist. Like it just all this ignoring of my intuition, as well as exactly what you were saying, like the, um, giving people so much of the benefit of the doubt, making excuses for other people and wanting to be not, not that I wanted to be a good person. I wanted to look like a good person. That was more important. It was, you didn't want to be left. Right. I, right. I wanted to be perceived. And this actually coincides with shame. I, Cause I do shame work. I'm trained and certified in the work uh, the methodology of Dr. Brene Brown. And it's, it's module 10 where it's called identities, um, ideal identities and triggers. Like we all have these ways that we don't want to be perceived by others and ways that we ideally want to be perceived by others. It's just part of the human experience. There's nothing wrong with us. It's, it's a method of survival, but yeah, I wanted to be perceived as a good person. I wanted people to like me. Who doesn't? So I would bend myself into a pretzel to try to morph myself into something that someone that I thought would be liked and loved and that no one would leave. And I ended up a fucking disaster. And my whole life fell apart at 31. And I was like, well, I guess I need to dig myself out of this hole. (laughs) Mm. That was like 15 years ago. And that's what I've noticed is like that abandonment wound has fucked me sideways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And my it's my you know, it's it's so interesting how the different forms of it show up. So mine shows up like. Uh, a form of, of what we call rescuing. So we talk about um, in the second season of the podcast, we talk about the drama triangle, which has three different roles that people constantly flip between the victim, the rescuer and the persecutor, the abuser. Mm-hmm. And codependent people are so good at rescuing. Mm-hmm. It's just not even. <laughs> Let me help know. other people with their problems. So I don't have to deal with mine. That was like that's, my life motto. That's it. That's, it. that's exactly <laughs> And it, then it looks right? like a hero. <laughs> yeah, you look like a hero. And so I can't tell you how many people who I who are doing the work right now and I kind of ask them I'm just like or they're telling me like this is what I want to do and I just they're just like I want to help others and I'm like Oof, you yeah. got to you got to create the tree that has the shade if you really want to help others, right? Mm-hmm. Because otherwise everyone's just going to be projecting onto everybody else this need to help but it's actually your yourself it's your parts right. and all the things inside of you that are saying help me <laughs> help me don't 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 go rescue anybody else right now don't don't self abandon and just go out into the world and be like oh yeah this is the thing 
Mm-hmm. And my form of my most like kind of it was it was a combination of rescuing and then it was also overachieving. Right. Yeah. So it was also being hyper productive, always thinking that I was the only one who could do it, always thinking that I was the one who like I would just I would go into these periods where I would just work and work and work and work and I would do and I would pick up everything and I would be everything for everybody and then I would just collapse. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is what we kind of call the 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 typical drama triangle certain like thing that happens is you rescue, you rescue, you rescue. And then you have a really good excuse to just be like, oh, everyone's asked so much of me and I've done mm-hmm. so much. Please. Now I'm the victim. Or you go into that. You guys haven't done Resentful. anything. Yeah. Why, why are you not doing anything? So then you can easily fall into becoming the abuser or the victim in that case. And so a lot of self-abandonment follows that same kind of pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like when we're talking about the feminine and and masculine part of this is, you know, Robin Norwood in her book, Women Who Love Too Much says that like women, codependents are usually women, but they can be men, but it is exactly because of our patriarchal culture. And I think that like the male version of abandonment is the, or the masculine side of it would be the betrayal wound because they're very like demanding and clear with their manipulation, not manipulation with their controlling, but like on the, but uh, people with an abandonment wound, primarily we're very um, sneaky with how we manipulate by doing these like covert, I'm going to rescue you. So then when I need to be rescued, I've got, you know, money in the bank kind of thing, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to withdraw. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. I don't know. Have you guys seen the, um, the self-abandonment cycle? like drawn out on paper? Probably. Yes, probably. That was me to a T. It was like, I don't want to be abandoned. So I'm going to overperform and overgive and be the perfect person and have a Rolodex of personalities that I can pull up. You know, I can be the funny person and I can be the cool person and the spiritual person. And then like, I'll just be give, give, give and do, do, do for everyone else. And then when I slowly like feel like my bucket is drained or, you know, or like in the love tank, my love tank isn't being full then to just kind of like crumble and fall and turn into the victim and, and, and cry and be like, it's not fair. You're not pulling your end of the the relationship. I'm doing it all, doing it all. And then having extreme remorse and guilt for my outburst, because I've been playing the role of perfect person this whole time. And here I am acting like a total child throwing Mm -hmm. a tantrum. And then that guilt reinforces the self-abandonment because now it's like, well, I acted like a total baby here. So now I need to like pick myself up and be even better than I was before so that they won't leave me because I've now shown myself to be vulnerable and messy. And then the cycle begins all over again. That was like me to to a T, you know, and like every little spiritual bypassy thing to justify why they weren't giving and why I was so amazing and I should just keep giving more and uh, giving is so altruistic and this and that. And then, um, (laughs) and, and it just like, it's like, it's amazing how we can use fifth dimensional like thinking to totally fuck ourselves up in the third dimension. Right. (laughs) It's this interesting dance and okay. Yeah. So I just Googled examples or sorry, the um, self-abandonment cycle, and we'll, we'll link to that in the show notes. There's several different sort of infographics about it. And this is, it's, it's pretty much everything I wrote about and how to stop feeling like shit. And so when I wrote that, I didn't know that that was like the list. There's 14 habits that that's basically the list of self-abandonment. And, you know, I write books because like I've experienced (laughs) what's going on. Um, and, and it's also directly related to, to shame work. You know, we're so afraid of, of dropping into shame that we do all of these things that we completely abandon ourselves. And so Mm -hmm. I want to take a moment too, to talk about like, what are the, what are some examples of, um, 
of not abandoning yourself, of like being true to yourself. And, and I know for sure it's knowing and very much being clear and understanding what your values are. And I think when you, and that's what I talk about and how to stop feeling like shit. And it's the very last chapter. And I almost made it the first chapter because I wanted to make sure people saw it, <laughs> but it's, it's one of those things where God, if you know what your values are, like most likely you're going to have to hold your feet to the fire and set boundaries and have hard conversations and walk away from certain relationships. So can you talk about some additional examples of what it what it was what is the opposite of of self abandonment? Well, in episode two of season four of our podcast, we interview an artist, Isadora Stowe, and we actually talk about how the antithesis of self abandonment is art and creation, because it's when you're giving yourself a voice. So I would say that you writing your books mm-hmm. and you creating this podcast is a form of you, your self expression, your celebration of your beliefs and your values, and you're creating, right? That is like the antithesis of self abandonment. So We talk a lot in that episode about how giving your art, like whatever art may be, like for me, it's cooking, it's creating beautiful meals, you know, for Christina, it's making a garden or painting, you know, and, 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 um, just kind of giving voice to self-expression and creativity is, is one of the most beautiful ways dancing, like, you know, Uh to, to kind of celebrate who you are and your unique expression. Exactly. And and that kind of also goes back to the shadow chakras that we're talking about, right? If the abandonment wound sits in the second chakra, the second chakra is all about creativity and expression, right? So in a lot of ways- And that's ways, kind of like down in your womb area, right? It is. It okay. Is. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, it's like right, yeah, it's right above, um, it's like six inches above the top of your tailbone, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all about creativity and expression, right? So when your second chakra is, is fully expressing itself, it's like, Hey, here I am. This Uh is, this is who I am and, and I'm okay to be who I am and I'm okay to be flawed and I'm okay to appear not perfect. And I'm okay because I fully accept myself and know that I can come into the world safely. Um, because I keep myself safe. I create the boundaries. I take, you know, I take the steps that are necessary to pull the people who hurt me. I, I honor my hurt. I honor my pain and upset and by not keeping people in my life who are, who are gonna, gonna treat me in a certain way. And the Mm -hmm. same thing goes for all the rest of the, uh, for all the rest of the wounds. You could, you could, you can use that same process for basically saying that rejection sits in the heart chakra. So really the self-love and how are you expressing your self-love and how are you allowing yourself to show up as a person and have an identity is kind of the antithesis of self-rejection. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for those those answers. And um, it's like, no, no pun intended, but like broad brushstrokes of, of what it can look like. I could ask you like 17 more questions, but we are out of time. And I would love for you to tell us where people can find you. We will have your your TikTok and your website uh, link in the show notes, as well as the other things that we mentioned. But I, I, you know, I know you have a podcast too. And where else? Uh, Christina gives private sessions. I, I don't. I'm too busy. <laughs> I admire her ability to to do that. So Christine, that that's on our website. And yeah, we we have our seasons, and they they kind of go in order. Like the first season is all about the primal wounds because we feel like that's a really good entry point for people because we can all universally identify with these and we can see them in others. Right. 
And then our second season goes into the drama triangle, which more is more like how the primal wounds interact with other people. And then the third season, we talked a lot about Tantra, which is basically the the spirituality of it, of everything. You know, it's not just sex, it's about enjoying all that life has to offer. And then this season, we're really talking about um, art, creativity, expansion, things like that. So yeah, our podcast is a great way to listen to us and, um, or the TikTok or the um, summaries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and for me, you can, um, for anyone who's interested in doing a reading with me, my website is chriswiltsey.com. So K-R-I-S-W-I-L-T-S-E-E.com for anyone who wants sessions. Because what I find is that a lot of the people I talk to are people who are in the into the podcast. They're into this work already. We have a common language. Um, and and so it's a it's it's kind of a, a an extension of what we do in the podcast, right? So it's looking at shadow work, it's looking at the potential of where you're going and and all that. So yeah, uh, those are all the resources that we have. Thank you so much. This has been so insightful and helpful, and I've I've loved having this conversation. And listeners, thank you so much for your time. I value your time and you so very much. And remember, it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye for now. Hi there. Swinging back by to say one more thing. You know how I'm always giving advice over here on the show and on social media. And a couple of those things is that I'm always telling you to ask for what you want, be clear about it, and also ask for help. So I am taking a dose of my own medicine and I'm going to do that right now. It would be the absolute best and mean the world to me if you reviewed and subscribed to this show, Make Some Noise Podcast, on whatever podcast platform of your choice. And even more importantly, it would matter so much if you shared this show. Sharing the show is one of the few ways the podcast can grow, and that also gives more women an opportunity to make some noise in their lives. You can do that by taking a screenshot when you're listening on your phone and sharing it in your Instagram or Facebook stories. If you're on Instagram, you can tag me at HeyAndreaOwen, and I try my best to always re-share those and give you a quick thank you DM. And also, you can tell your friends and family about it. Tell them what you learned. Tell them a really awesome guest that you found on the show that you started following. Whatever it is, I appreciate so much you sharing about this show. 